Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leaders Sport Business Podcast. My name is James Emmett. I'm the Editorial Director here at Leaders and with me as ever is my great good colleague David Kushnan, the Content Director here at Leaders. Hello David, how are you? I'm very well James, how are you? <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop this new mic technique. Hello, David. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. You you're trying something out there? I was or? just trying something new. Yeah, it's a different part of the day to the one that we usually record, and I'm more sort of drive home at the moment rather than you know hype up morning. Um, what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm I'm well, thank you. Um, having having a lovely week. Um, you know, just getting through it, getting through it. Lots going on. Um. Can I talk to you about something that we put in our Worth Knowing newsletter yes, last please. week? Yes, yeah. Uh, so you may uh, have uh, heard the story of Hill & Knowlton, um, which is being merged uh, by WPP. Yes. And therefore, the brand name effectively being retired. Yes. It's going to become Burson, isn't it? Correct. They're merging it with a couple of other um, communications firms. Indeed. And uh, I was struck uh, last week by the... Um, the affection with which the Hill and Knowlton name uh, was uh, being remembered and recalled uh, by quite a few members of the sports marketing PR comms community. And it got us wondering, uh, it, alongside uh, Hill and Knowlton, what, what is the best proving ground for the sports industry, the talent factories? And IMG, uh, as you well know, James, is... Uh, I think widely regarded as uh, the traditional the sports industry university. The sports industry it. university, uh, not self-styled, but very much how it is styled by other people. And we sort of put out the word, didn't we, for um, uh, any other suggestions of companies that might uh, sit alongside an IMG or a Hill and Knowlton as uh, having a particularly great sports industry alumni. And we had a lot of interesting responses, actually. We had lots, yeah. Um, several suggestions. And people really fighting their corner. It sort of put me in mind of the way that a lot of Americans are pretty fervent about their college sports team. So a lot of people getting in touch, absolutely adamant that a, a previous place of work of theirs is the best mm. um, sports industry proving ground. Couple, couple that jumped out. Um, Deloitte, which actually... We should have probably thought of. No, but I don't think when when I hear the word Deloitte, I think a lot of things, but I don't necessarily think, oh, that is the sports industry university. I mean, very competent uh, business with lots of sporting activity. But it turns out. Well, it turns out we were just sent loads of names yeah. of people who've worked at Deloitte. Uh, I'm going to name a few okay. of them, but only a few of them. Vinay, Vinay Venkateshan. Correct. Yeah. Sally Bolton, Dominic Coles, uh, Robert Elstone. Um, loads, like we were inundated with names of uh, really prominent sports industry people who uh, once worked at Deloitte. Here's another uh, fun one. Uh, ProServe was uh, mentioned to us uh, as a... Um, another of these sort of sports industry universities and ProServe, an agency founded all the way back in 1970 by a man you have interviewed a number of times. Mr. Don Dell. Mm, legend yep. of the game. Absolute legend of the game. Yeah. Founded by Don Dell on the strength of his relationship uh, with Stan Smith, I think, the tennis player for whom he did an amazing deal with Adidas, which um, reaps rewards today. Yeah, we were sent the names of, uh, again, a, a good number of uh, sports industry folk um, who came out of the ProServe Academy, if you like. Uh, Frank Craighill, who started Advantage International, a major agency in its own right. Jerry Solomon, the longtime agent of uh, the figure skater, Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, loads more besides. Um, we sort of stumbled on quite an interesting discussion here. So feel free to drop us a line if Do you, know you have I, uh, I, any more to throw in. Two Circles is, is putting itself forward, I think. Well, I it? was just going to ask, and I think Two Circles might be the answer to the question. What in... 20 years time is the organization we're going to look at as being a bit of a talent factory yeah i think it is two circles i think it's going to be two circles basically you want organizations uh that are very well respected at the moment or in the not too 
distant past where people are going to be um, lots of different organizations are going to want to dip into that talent pool to recruit uh, and people are going to go far and wide um, it's happening at two circles i think at the moment mark thompson a um, not too distant uh, alum of two circles who uh, was running burnley for a little while he's just gone to saracens uh, matt cutler of course taking the uh, quiz world by storm at the moment um i wonder what else i wonder what else is going to be uh, a, a proving ground in years to come yeah i mean there is i suppose it's along the deloitte lines are we are we going to be in a, a little bit of a mckinsey era um perhaps i think the two circles thing just going back to that is is really interesting in that there was a really interesting line when two circles a few weeks ago announced its uh, new investment from uh, charterhouse where they talked about uh, 75% of the two circles team uh have joined who have joined since 2019 have joined from outside the sports industry and i think as we think about the type of leader of major sports organizations of the future uh, perhaps we are looking a little bit more at people who have experience outside the sports industry bubble it sort of goes in waves doesn't it you had 30 years ago it was really a legal background that you needed if you look at the commissioners i suppose still today the commissioners of the major leagues uh legal background there was a little phase of sort of media expertise wasn't there yeah um, now you need a data digital background exactly for sure. All yeah. roads point to two circles. Yeah, indeed. Um, we are going to welcome Callie Sauerland onto the podcast soon. Um, Callie is a um, a veteran boxing promoter. He's now global head of boxing at Wasserman, the Wasserman agency. Um, Callie ran his own boxing promotion with his brother uh, for many, many years, Team Sauerland. Um, and yeah, that was sort of enveloped into the, the wider Wasserman world in 2021. He's going to be joining us a little bit later on is there any other business before we get on i think we need to get on there's a, been a lot happening in the industry this week okay david you turn this way and i'll turn that way and together we've got the full 360 covered this is 180 seconds of sports biz and we'll start in Maranello, the home of Ferrari, where it was announced last week that seven-time Formula One world champion Lewis Hamilton will be joining the team for the 2025 season and beyond. He'll drive his 12th and final season for Mercedes this year. Elsewhere in F1, US motorsport outfit Andretti's bid to join the series as an additional 11th team was rejected by Formula One management last week. After several months of commercial assessments, FOM came to the public conclusion that the presence of an 11th team would not on its own provide value to the championship. The PGA Tour's future investment saga took a big step forward last week with the announcement that a major financial and strategic investment of up to $3 billion had been closed with the Strategic Sports Group, a collection of mostly billionaire, mostly American sports owners. An initial $1.5 billion investment in a new for-profit arm, PGA Tour Enterprises, will see players given equity based on career accomplishments as well as more recent achievements. The future of the PGA Tour's relationship with Saudi Arabia's PIF and Live Golf remains opaque. Sticking with PIF and reports suggest that the Saudi investment fund has met with representatives of various premiership rugby teams to scope out a potential set of deals that would see Saudi ownership in another new sport. The report in The Telegraph indicates that a £60 million investment to take stakes in Gloucester, Leicester Tigers, Northampton Saints and Newcastle was discussed. Premiership Rugby CEO Simon Massey-Taylor was on the Leaders in Focus show last year explaining that diversifying the league's ownership base was an important strategic priority for him. A fresh wave of layoffs has hit the media and tech industries with Activision Blizzard, YouTube, Universal, Disney, Sky and Snap announcing redundancy rounds within weeks of each other in January. Microsoft's decision to cut 1,900 positions from Activision Blizzard and Xbox looms largest amongst the layoffs. Meanwhile, Apple launched its Vision Pro product last week in a move that is expected to drive augmented reality development forward across the board. As well as a new headset, Apple has gone to market with 600 new apps, including new immersive reality apps from the NBA and Major League Baseball. 
Elevate has acquired executive search firm SRI, which will sit under its newly launched Elevate Talent Division. The SRI Foundation is in sport. The acronym stands for Sports Recruitment International. Key clients include a variety of Premier League clubs as well as the WTA and World Rugby. But over the past five years, 50% of its placements have been outside the core sports sphere for the likes of Disney, Gucci, Warner Brothers Discovery and BBC Studios. Elevate Talent will be run by Liz Moulton, hired last year as Elevate's Chief People and Talent Officer as Chair and Jim Chaplin as Global President. And in sponsorship news, Syria Air has a new three-year title sponsor in AnyLive, the mobility-focused offshoot of the Any Energy Company, while Real Madrid has signed its first ever sleeve sponsorship in HP. And that was 180 seconds of sports beers. And with us now is the global head of boxing at Wasserman, as trailed, Khalid Sauerland. Khalid, good to have you with us. Great to be here, guys. Great to be here. Where are you at the moment? You've got some pretty, uh, I would say, fantastic imagery behind you. It's very emotive, atmospheric. You, you're in a boxing office, I would say. I'm, I'm, I'm in the Tower of Power here in the Strand in London. Um, yeah, a rare office day, um, planning planning the next few months, uh, the moves, the shakes and the moves of the boxing industry. So always good fun. In boxing, you never know when you get to the office, you never know what's going to happen in that day. As we've seen in recent days, uh, obviously with developments uh, around the Fury Fury fight, um, which has affected us as well. We had fights on there. So um, you never know in boxing what the day is going to bring. That's what keeps me on my toes. 24, year, 24 years in this game and something needs to keep you on your toes. <laughs> um, give us your reaction, actually, to the uh, the big news at the, the weekend, the Fury-Usyk fight being postponed. Looks like it's been rescheduled for the 18th of May, but, uh, you know, as as casual boxing fans, that's, uh, that's obviously a, a blow. And how do you get a cut that deep as well from sparring? That's extraordinary. I mean, you can you can take your your conspiracy theories uh, from what's online, and you know, look at it and this, that, and the other. Um, I'm telling you now, having been around fires pretty much since the day I was born, um, and and been around fight camps for many many years. Tyson Fury has been down in Saudi Arabia since pretty much since New Year. Um, that's a tough ask to ask someone who's. You know, living in those silk pyjamas these days and, um, you know, he's off away from the family um, in, in Saudi, in a proper, proper camp. He, he's not putting the plug like all the, you know, when you see it, it's a cut. Yes, it's it's all because it's on the outside of the eye, sort of the area that is protected by the by the head guard to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, it's, it's physical contact with 200 pound plus guys. So... You know, yeah, you know, you can't expect him not to do full-on sparring going into a fight like like this one um, or any fight. You know, a fighter will always want to know that he's he's done everything in that camp and that's pushing yourself. And, you know, you see it, you know, there's, there's it. unfortunately injuries in all sports, but in boxing because it is a, uh, you know, a, a, a single-man contest, it's not a team sport, Um you know that's that's what it is. So when we got the news on Friday, of course, nothing. But uh, the conspiracy theories, yeah, they, they may be in the, the weekend. Some interesting reading on there, and you sort of see the experts as well coming out thinking that you've seen all this before. So it's there's not really, you know, it's it's not like there's some mysterious injury. He's got a big gash above his eye, you know. And then there's like people say, oh, there's no time stamp on it. This, that, and the other. Hey, he's got cut. The fights postponed and credit to uh the saudis they've, they've come out with a date 24 hours later that's something in boxing doesn't always happen um but yeah in quite a candid interview on saturday night hang on <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, saudi uh, in a bit more detail in a moment reflecting on some of the things we just talked about in the in the 180 seconds of sports biz but tell us Kala, what happens you've got as you mentioned, fighters on that card. What is the actual process? How do you find out that the fight, the card is off? What do you do? What's the what's your sort of first move? 
Are you all in a, a big WhatsApp group trying to figure out solutions? You know, ha- t- take, take us inside, uh, you know, what that sort of few hours looks like. Well, if I tell you that I was, I was actually in the countryside, it was a Friday evening. I was trying to find my way to a country pub where I was supposed to meet people for dinner. And I was in a, on a dark, um, a dark canal, lost. And I stopped getting my phone ping. Got the missus not very happy. Uh, a, because he's dark, and now I'm on the phone. Um, so it was, a, you don't know when it's going to hit him, Boxy. That's what I've, you know, I've been on, uh, been in the worst situations ever for something to hit like this. And, and this one, okay, we, we have the co-feature on there, so we're not involved in the in the main event, which of course is is bad. But the, but the, the main thing is straight away is to find out like, what is the next day? And often these things are kept, um, they're kept undercover a little bit because you want to go and secure the venue. You know that other promoters are hovering around a venue. This is, of course, very different. But in a day-to-day, if a fight's off, you can be sure that, you know, they will have known a little bit. And I think that this one actually did happen on the Friday and they knew they couldn't keep that bottle in and they, they came out with which is, you know, and again, fair play to them. They they've come out with a date twenty four hours later. Now we've all been involved in promoting this sport in, in postponements and in cancellations, um, and you know each one is each one is a is a is a real pain. But it's unfortunately nature of the sport that it can happen. So there is an unfortunate WhatsApp group that that doesn't tend to exist. But um, I'll tell you, board, David, that could be a good idea for the future. Be an interesting group, that's for sure. Set it up, Kala. Just set it up. Yeah. We'll make it public. We could just... There is a sort of WhatsApp group. It's called Twitter or X these yeah. days. <laughs> Did you find the pub? Uh, yes. Well, I was going the wrong way. And I'm showing you, it was pitch black. So uh, we did. We had a lovely dinner. Um, Kala, we'll come back to Saudi, no doubt, um, a little bit later. Um, but... David, I just want to pick up on these stories that we ran through in the 180 seconds of sports biz. A couple of juicy ones this week, and there's one that I definitely want to pick your brains on, and that is um, Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari. As far as I can see, uh, casual Formula One observer, that is the best driver signing with the best brand in Formula One. That's a win-win as far as I can see. So why am I seeing uh, naysayers, detractors saying this is not a good fit? Uh, And I'm primarily seeing these people on LinkedIn, David Hutton say and Callie's WhatsApp group. <laughs> you, well, I'm, you, I'm... You, you're forgetting the Ange part. You missed the Ange Possecoglu part, how he broke that. I thought that was the comment of the week on, 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 on the whole thing. I don't know if you saw it, but the Ange Possecoglu at the press conference gave a fantastic run that. If you haven't seen it, go back and look at it. What did he do? What did Ange do? Well, he, he well it, was, it was transfer deadline day yeah. and he was, uh, he was talking about how he was a bit disappointed in the press conference yeah. the day later about how he was um, a touch disappointed with the club uh, for not um, uh, not making a, a signing that he wanted. And then his, his, his punchline was, but Ferrari got him. Okay, right. But they, they did actually, what, did you see this thing about Peroni's announcement the day before? which was quite clever, I thought. Um, so Peroni, Kelly, I don't know whether you saw this, but uh-huh. Peroni did a pretty bog-standard traditional sponsorship deal with Ferrari that was announced the day or two before the Hamilton thing. Uh-huh. And in the in the kind of images that were released to announce this, there was all this Peroni-branded stuff with Ferrari-branded stuff, including uh-huh. a little toy um, vintage Ferrari um, with the number 44 on it, um, which is Lewis Hamilton's number. Um, which nobody really? picked up on at the time. I, yeah. I missed that. I have to That's go and clever. Little that. E- I think they call that an Easter egg. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. Um, I think this is, and this is, you know, hardcore F one yeah, follower yeah. Yeah. talking. I completely agree with you. I think it's win win. Uh, you know, it's the most famous driver in the world driving the most famous car in the world. Uh, I think it puts Ferrari right at the centre of the Formula One storyline globally for the next few years at a time when it's worth remembering they haven't actually won a world championship since, or a team world championship since 2008, a driver's title since 2007. Long, long time ago now. I think this also puts them squarely almost into Hollywood. If you think about how F1 is Americanizing, more American races, box office stuff, I don't think there's a loser in it. Uh, actually, I think it's um... David. You, you've got a, you've got. A, I'm half German, so 
I'm going to have to pipe up here a little bit. We're calling it the biggest brand in the world, biggest kickback racing team. I think there's some certain people around Stuttgart that might um, that might tend to disagree with you. Um, and and let's let's also look at it. I mean, Mercedes have pushed Lewis to places that part the, the whole thing was geared all around him, and he's done his job. So fair play to him. Looking at it from an athlete's point of view, he's taken, he's you know, he's done. He's won everything with Mercedes. He's done a great job for himself. They can't have too many sour grapes. But now he wants to go and do it with the the the, the, the famous Red Stallion. Um, and that, that, I think, is obviously great for Ferrari. But I'm sure there's a lot of Mercedes fans that will be out there saying, what? You know? Um, because he has become that bit. And do not underestimate, outside of the United Kingdom and, and, and probably a few, few other Latin countries, um, there is... There is a huge Mercedes fan base as well, yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a bitter pill for them to swap one of bitter pill. Apparently, this was uh, this was done almost by presidential decree as well. Um, John Elkan, the executive chair of Ferrari, the key figure here. Apparently, he's been getting to know Lewis socially for the last couple of years and sort of courting him, yeah. asking him every so often whether he'd be up for this sort of end of career moment, come over to Ferrari. You know, and uh, Cali, to your point. Um, probably step away from what almost certainly would have been a sort of lifetime ambassadorship with Mercedes, you know, the prospect of probably owning Mercedes dealerships around the world. He may well be getting all that with Ferrari too. But it's messy leaving Barcelona, isn't it? That's yeah. that's the equivalent. That's the equivalent. Uh, and, and you're probably right. Ferrari, slightly bigger, but still it's Mercedes. the way that Mercedes has had him as that ambassador, you know, and, uh, that's a that's it's a, a really interesting. I'm not. I'm not. I was a big F1 fan back in the day, but this one really got me. I was like, "What? Incredible!" Um, elsewhere in the news roundup, obviously a couple of bits of uh, piff um, slash Saudi news. Um, this sort of it's almost a regular section, isn't it? We should we should just have the Saudi corner, a little Riyadh corner over there. Um, but the, obviously the news from Golf um, that um, SSG Group has uh, signed on the dotted line with the PGA Tour, not um, piff. Uh, or Live Golf as of yet. Also, Piv um, looking at an investment into Premiership Rugby. I don't necessarily want to go too deep on either of those at the moment, but I do want to bring in Cali because obviously um, Saudi and Saudi money has been in boxing for some time now. I guess, Cali, you personally must have been working with um, Saudi counterparts for a number of years. What's your kind of top-level read on what's going on across any number of sports now, which is, I guess, people flashing their ankles at the Saudis, right? And, uh, you know, wanting a bit of wanting a bit of investment. It is happening everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was... Um, I started uh, working in Saudi in 2018. Uh, we were actually the first promoters in Saudi. Uh, we did the World Boxing Super Series final there. Um and I remember when the deal came across our desk, and I was like, okay. And don't forget, that at that time, there was very little in terms of sports happening down there. there was, I think Brazil had been signed to go down there. Um, so it was the first real move. Um, mm. And we looked at it, and it was, we went down there and just blown away by what the infrastructures are. And it's not just sort of, Pro money at something. There is, there is actually a real drive down there, and you see it from. They went on to do um, Amir Khan straight after that. They did uh, obviously the Joshua fights, and now they've sort of in boxing. At least they really do, want to do it on a regular basis. Um, and you know, you can, you can look at other sports. You know, I think there's. Uh, a rugby story this week uh, as well, it, uh, you know, about the interest in rugby clubs this week. There's the, obviously the golf investment. What the what it does, and this is look at it from um, if you're involved in the sports industry, it of course ups the competition all around um, and has a massive ripple effect. Um, and you see that in other investments. Um, uh, but what I would say about the region is, is that they really have grasped how to put events on when they're down there. And that is, you know, 
you look at also the, the build up um, around some of the the boxing events that have taken place down there. I mean, the trailers alone are sort of Hollywood trailer level, you know, with actors, proper superstar actors in it. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's another level, is it, to the, the boxing the boxing from uh, posters that we put out for the last 20 odd years. The Fury Usyk trailer, it's absolutely yeah. extra. I've never seen anything there's like it. There's blinders in there. There's, 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 I mean, it was a, arguably it's a bit of a mess in terms of the number of different ideas that are going on in it, but it, the reduction value, absolutely extraordinary. It's it, it, huge. And also, the, um, I think, you know, the Engano, the, uh, the Engano Fury one, you know, uh, or you look at the, the, the sort of the street fighter throwback on, on, on AJ Engano, you know, so you know, it's not just oh yeah, we want to stage uh, some shows down there. It's uh, take it, but really do attack it on a on a three sixty level in terms of boxing. And it's interesting looking across what they're doing across the sweep of sport, as you were saying. Very different approaches depending on the sport. In golf, clearly they've gone for that maximum disruption breakaway group, and we'll see how that. Mm-hmm. ends uh in tennis a big uh tennis exhibition tournament was announced just yesterday uh monday by uh turkey al sheikh uh, as part of Riyadh season so that will be played in october six men's tennis players djokovic nadal sinner alcaraz medvedev Rune, you know sounds very much like the atp finals well it's a very interesting model because it's not an atp event there's obviously been a lot of talk about them potentially staging an atp in a wta tournament uh but effectively they're circumnavigating the atp there uh, by placing that exhibition within the season it's not happening at the end of the year it's happening in october and then you look at a sport like boxing Keller, where it certainly seems from the outside as though you know a lot of what they have done is almost united the sport where the biggest fights were for a variety of reasons not getting made and here they are just sort of making it happen and it seems like the man who is at the center of it is turkey al sheikh who's just decided right i i don't i don't care what the history the politics are here the i want i want this man to face this man it's uh, first of all it's uh it's a very fresh approach what i i mean you know that there's Back in the day, it was Vegas, wasn't it? And the casinos who really wielded the power, uh, especially in the 70s and 80s. Um, that's how the big fights got made. Um, it was the site fees of the of the um, of the casinos. And now you look at this. What I would say is, is it's again not simply a case of right. We'll get us, you know, we'll, we'll do the site fee. We'll bring them down here and let them crack on. No, it's totally developed from that. So you see when, when Turkey's making these these announcements, it's it's often like he, he, he was, you know, he, he reduced the pay-per-view price. Uh, I mean, that certainly is, I've never seen done before by by what would be a, um, almost neutral, you know, um, coming in and telling, uh, I don't know, uh, broadcaster, right, no, we're going to do it for, for less money on this fight. And so those sort of things, of course, they're very they're fan favorite things, but you've got to, you've got to, you've also got to cop against the promoter and say, yeah. right, well, we're doing it this way, this way or the highway. And and it's it will, it's it's certainly that case. It's not just a case of right, we're going to pay you good money to come down here. No, no, it's the, the power part as well. It's very, very, very interesting at the moment um, because they are really stepping in and stepping up the game you know thinking about like the next time there's a big fight in the uk we're all we're gonna have to look at all sorts of new trailers just to keep up with it in in terms (laughs) of in terms of delivering an event so that's that part i find very interesting it's great but always great when it's when a sport ups the levels um you know that will also fall fall back a lot on the the, the broadcasters in the UK when there's a UK event. It's going to be certainly going to be a few people in the editorial teams that's going to be uh, on the spotlight to deliver something all new. So they are. It's not just a case of right. Well, we want this fight down here, and then you crack on with it. No, they are involved now on the broadcasting side of things, on the marketing side of things. So it's uh, it's certainly certainly developed a lot. 
Let's talk briefly about one more story uh, that we referenced a little bit earlier, and this is uh, some news uh, just in, James. Uh, mm. Elevate, uh, the, the hospitality people, the... Well, I mean, how do you describe Elevate these days? That's an I'd interesting question. It's a multifunctional um, commercialisation agency in sport. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Um, uh, they have acquired executive search firm SRI, uh, Sports Recruitment International. And I know you, James, are a man who uh, keeps an eye on what's going on in the sort of sports recruitment space you enjoy a lunch you've said this before on the podcast enjoy being taken to well, lunch by recruiters to find out what's going on in their sector I, yeah sure i keep an eye on uh, what al guido is doing at elevate uh, for a start and i think this is part of a bit of a trend um that is going on at the moment this uh, it's a trend for larger agency groups multifunctional commercialization agencies to have um, to either acquire or build in-house search divisions. Um, so this is by no means the first one. SRI is quite a large one in sport, but we saw um, either last year or the year before Nolan Partners um, get acquired by XL Sports Management. Um, we saw a few years ago CAA launch its own boutique agency and poach a couple of um, sought-after um headhunters um, to do that. This is definitely a trend. And I was thinking about the, the reasons that this might be a positive thing. I think it de-risks a, a kind of a feast and famine business, which search can be in the sports industry. Um, it probably introduces new kind of fee structures, different ways of being able to pay for this service. If Again, that's a, that's a part of that de-risking. Um, you embed more functionality within the wider agency. You can probably sell different services quite uh, straightforwardly as well as a search uh, function. And you, you build in a kind of creme de la creme networking function within your agency, I suppose. So you're going to build up a lot of... Um, goodwill in the industry if you're placed by uh if you david in your next chief executive leadership role are placed <laughs> by um caa you're probably going to think kindly of the wider caa agency and maybe more naturally deliver a bit more work to them so lots of benefits i'm sure there are some challenges as well i was thinking you know we've got caleron and uh it's similar to what's going on in kind of uh the the world of promoters and sort of independent promoters um, joining larger multifunctional commercialization agencies, which is what I'm calling Wasserman in this case. <laughs> and, and Callie, obviously your business, Team Sourland, um, you moved into the Wasserman stable in 2021. What, why did you do that? What were the pros and cons as you saw them when you were weighing that up? Um, interesting question. Um, we've, only, we've only got an hour, now, um, but yeah. <laughs> I know it was it was in the middle of lockdown. Um, I we received a call from Wasserman and we worked with Wasserman. Uh, they managed some fighters, George Groves, uh, Anthony Agogo that we were promoting. Um, always got on very well with, with the, the, the main business team there. Um, and you know it was it was reading one of the senior agents, Dean Baker, and I'm sorry, Esved, who who approached us and they were, were extremely successful. Uh, football guys. Dean had also worked a bit in boxing before as, man, as a manager, so they had the they had knowledge of boxing, which which helps. Yeah, it really helps. Uh, yeah, and and they they know the industry pretty well. So first of all, well, you know we weren't up for for sale, so it was um it was an it was an interesting discussion, but then it. The more we spoke, the more we saw the synergies of it, and and a, a takeover would be, yeah, it wouldn't be called Team Salon anymore. We'd be moving under the Wasserman umbrella, but the potential of of growth, and and I think in the first couple of years, you can already see what's happened with with the company formerly known as Team Salon, is that we've been able to to scale the business so we've we've obviously moved into to the world of uh, influencer boxing with misfits uh mm. you know already stage 12 events and, and four pay-per-views with them um massive events all over you know from all in the us and over here so you straight away through for that the the the, the, the t our core team of boxing suddenly had a real uh real break horsepower under it which meant that 
we can just look at suddenly doubling the amount of events in a year. You know, and we had mm-hmm. 27 events last year out of 52 weeks. It's, uh, yes. it's pretty pretty solid, given that before that it was probably under 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, so, so he's the man, but he's the scalability of the manpower. But then, of course, also, you know, amazing resources in terms of sponsorship, which is, is something in boxing, which has always been a tricky area. Uh, can mm-hmm. media rights is, 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 is key and core to us. It's something that I've been doing for the last three decades. But but it's it, it was it was really the feeling that it gave us that hey, if we get an opportunity in Australia tomorrow, and that is a development within the the boxing industry, but also the media industry, with with centralised global players and and you know likes of Jazzland, for example. But there will be more. And more of this, um, mm-hmm. you see, you know, you see Netflix stepping up. You see all these different other players that are going to enter the combat sports world. It's just a question of time. So you mm-hmm. want to be equipped as a promoter to be able to, and not just blag your way and say, "Yeah, no problem with those shows in India. We'll deliver that next week." Yeah, but I feel, you know, not even my best game face on could I sit there with, with some of the pitches that I think will come our way. Uh, and there, and there was one is obviously, you know, it's a lot of stages in the world is ideally placed for that. So scale, manpower, geographical reach, and um, the ability to take opportunities when they come up. Those yeah. are some of the key benefits. Global, global approach, James. I think you look at it like that. Because yeah. it, it, you know, there's always, oh, he's a UK promoter. He's a German yeah. promoter. He's a European promoter. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't really work like that anymore. Um, yeah. That's, that design has totally whipped up and changed. And, yeah. you know, you obviously see the Saudi investment, but, you know, there's all sorts of media companies that are on the, either just joining. Uh, you see Amazon in the States with, with Hayman and PVC. Um, but, come on, I mean, we all know that combat sports done the right way sells. It drives. How do you spend your time, Callie? It seems to me that you've got uh, the managing the business, managing the division, sort of during the week almost, and then you know, on on fight nights, fight weeks, you are expected as the promoter to be the the media front man, you know, in front of the cameras. It seems to me boxing, probably more than any other sport, has this incredible and sort of endless online media um which sort of seems to feed off promoters doing interviews almost on a a daily basis how do you sort of square the two very different skill sets and which one is 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 your preference um it's a very good question because i actually think they're quite similar um you know um you know there's some promoters they they they, I'm not going to know into any names there, but we, we all know who we're talking about. They'll they'll put much more emphasis on the interview parts of things, um, and so us are a little shyer. I mean, I remember my, starting out. One of my first partners was Don King. Uh, we did uh, Nikolai Badoev together. We the big, a very um, shy man, very shy, a man. very shy man. And and I had I remember one fantastic story. We weren't in the papers at the time, and and don't forget, I've so I've I've had the the pleasure of seeing a world without social media and boxing and now a world with. And at that time, if you weren't in the papers, we were doing an event in Germany, and if you weren't in the papers, you, you know, your viewing figures were dire because there wasn't, you know, it wasn't Instagram or Twitter or whatever. It was early days of Facebook. And um, I remember Don King grabbed me and going, right, we're going to go and see him. I said, no, it's the build in Germany. The build is the biggest media house actually probably in Europe. Uh, so we we turn up at the editor of the build without an appointment, right? But he walks with an entourage of ten people, um, with the flags going, and in, you know, he's always got, he's got a paparazzi who's paid to take pictures of him the whole time. So it looks like you know Michael Jackson's coming into the building, and and he's literally gone in and interrupted the the. There was a there was a long sort of boardroom set up, and I literally walked into this, and it was in German it was called the Schalter, which was the day, on the day when they decide what goes in the newspaper the next day, and he's burst in there. That, but they've all acted like I mean, if I would have done it, or Eddie would have done, Frank would have done, probably be arrested. But because it was Don King, they were like, oh, amazing, we have a picture, you know, and it, and it turned out the next day, all front page. 
that it was just old school promoting. So I've seen I've seen that car. It's obviously evolved. I think Eddie Deer's done a fantastic. Eddie, Eddie actually put Twitter onto my phone. Uh, I think it must have been around when we did the Frotch Tesla two five uh, uh, two two eleven two twelve something like that. And he was already on 56,000 followers. I still think that that number was a bit cheeky, but it's another subject. <laughs> but he was the first doing it. And um, and, it, it, and he's, he's gone on, but he's fantastic at this social media thing. I'm sporadic with it. I now have a team of five, six guys who, 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 who put it together. But my, my actually, the Salvador Bros account is, is half legit. You know, and you, can, you can definitely tell when it's me tweeting. <laughs> Um, but yes, you have to embrace it. But I think if you've been out on the road, David, going back to answering your thing with broadcasters and pitching your stuff, and remember, before the days of design where you could pick up the money in one deal for global rights, we used to sell at the Sportel in Monaco. In those three days, I do deals from Romania to Brazil to, you know, so that was my DNA. Whether it was football rights, volleyball rights, basketball rights, or boxing rights. It was trading. It was simply trading. We go down there with a blank license agreement, a load of them, and, and, and can literally sign deals down there. We come back with a lot of money, mostly for football, a little bit for boxing. Um, but that was it. it. Was It was a trade. So what we were pitching there, now we do the same thing when we're pitching in interviews. Oh, you've got to watch this fight. This fight's great. That fight's great. So this, it's similar. Um the difference is now you can sort of look back and say, oh, that was really cringe what I said there. That's one of my son's yeah. words, cringe. Um, but so you you, you know, you try to improve it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's much more 360. But you know, back in the day, it was, you know, you have a press conference and hope that goes well and hope that's picked up yeah. by the dailies. And now you don't even need people at a press conference. Yeah, You just need the cameras and that to go viral. We've had a few crazy ones last year that certainly went viral. Let's talk about, uh, I suppose, the future of boxing or a future of boxing, uh, Kala. Uh, tell us about the rationale behind setting up Misfits and what that is achieving for you thus far. I love the fact you say rationale and Misfits in one <laughs> sentence. That is already an accomplishment in itself. No rationale, <laughs> just pure Misfits madness. Um Again, I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Um, I've known Mams Taylor since we were teenagers. Um, there is some rumor flying about online that we actually were having a fight with each other when we were teenagers and stuff like this. Could have happened. Can't remember. I had a few back then. But it was, it, listen, we were, we were good mates. Um, in and out of touch over the years. He moved over to the States, obviously. Um, I used to see him and, and he, 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 he became... KSI's manager, business partner, uh, etc. And they, Mans was really pushing the whole time, saying, "Come on, we got to do this." And we were very close at saying, "This is." This was going on three, four years, and suddenly, again, um, staffer sort of lockdown, sort of half lockdown, ended up in the office here and Wasserman in the boardroom. KSI him, and it was the first time actually I spoke to to KSI directly about it, and I it was always. I, I love the numbers it was doing. I love the fact that I could get some brownie points for the kids at home. Um, but it, but I, I couldn't see a, a longevity in it. And it was very clear to me that there's a reason why KSI is so successful at everything he's done so far, whether it's you know prime hydration or whether it's his, his channels or whatever his touch sort of has turned to gold. He's very selective in what he does. And what he turns down, and that I've witnessed now, that he is one of the most intelligent, probably the most intelligent young man I've ever worked with. And he just, you know, it's the way he talked about the space was, yeah, there was me and Mams who wanted to, you know, go promote the head out of this, and whatever, but it was like, now I want a space in this, in this industry, which doesn't really exist. You know, it was like event here, event there, you know, a bit of beef, we can do another event. But we want to create a space where people can regularly, you know, uh, fight you know, in this space to to settle this beef or create this beef or whatever it is. And that's really where it started. Um, and then we, we, we put together uh, a social media, again, in lockdown thing that we announced. And we said, we're misfits and we're launching today. People were like, what the is this? And no, no idea. 
there we are, sending out the O2 uh, a couple of months later with two fights in one night. Again, inventions in this space that I can't claim credit to apart from the fact that I, uh, yeah, somehow was, was convinced to let them happen. Uh, mystery opponents, tag team boxing, you name it. Um, what I find fascinating is that the numbers are still going up. Every single event, we just see one in Leeds, higher numbers of the monthly digital similar event last year, been about 30% higher. Um, last year, highest selling, selling uh, combat sports event was the Prime Card worldwide. Um, numbers just insane. Um, KSI told me Fury for the viewers that missed that Prime Card. Um, and it, you know, it was like the Super Bowl of that scene. I've never seen an event quite like it. Um, and it, it, yeah, it just it was it was it's so, it's so refreshing when you see the crowd to have something a bit different. And hopefully, something like that comes into boxing because you've got a crowd that's there at six p.m. Open the gates at six; it's full at six. Twenty odd thousand sitting in their seats; they don't move, and they they watch every fight, you know. And and it's it's a very captive audience. But it's a it's an area a misfits ecosystem is something that's just at the beginning. You know, it's uh it's whether it's video games, merch, that sort of thing. We haven't even started on that. We've just been funny, focused and busy working on these events. Where where do you think it goes from here in terms of um almost finding that next wave of fighters or you know personalities who are willing to have a fight do you just do you think that because people have seen the success and the audiences and frankly the money that there is just going to be a natural uh you know a natural group a sort of next generation of quote youtubers and other sort of online stars yeah. who will who will come through or are you going to have to actively think about you know all the sort of um you know, maybe slightly boring on paper things like talent pathways and stuff like that as you sort of put together the the plan of action for the medium and long term? Look, I, I think that when you look at boxing from a traditional point of view, you're, you're totally right. You know, when you've got your, you've got your chat A's, you're always going to have A, B and C's in your, in your stable. This space is different in terms of you could literally start trading today if you're the right name. You could be a, you could be a pay-per-view star tomorrow in the misfits world so it's not going to be a a gradual process like you know we're going to bring in there will be an element of that but it doesn't necessarily be need to be that way Dean and Dennis it came out of nowhere um and they certainly sold a few pay-per-views last year um for good reasons and bad reasons um but that's this space it's a space that does um does shake rattle and roll you know um so i i think that the it lives very much from moment to moment um but yes the, the bigger the platform which misfits has managed to do it's you know we, we saw the five-year deal with with design at the beginning of last year and that that this space now the calls we get I, I, i'd be blushing if i told you some of the names everything from politicians who have been recently removed from Parliament to uh, to to footballers that maybe aren't playing that much anymore to you know reality TV shows it's it's A to Z and some of them think it's just a quick buck and those ones they you know that's not really for us so we do look at exactly what can work longer term but to answer your question it's not uh, I'm not going to sort of look at eighteen year old in the gym and think, right, you could eventually be a misfit star. That will be much more on the traditional side of things. So it will be it will be very you know, you'll see you'll see names come into this space that will just do massive numbers very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that phone call with Matt Hancock was like. Callie. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we we do have to wrap up very um, very soon, but I do want to um, throw you a bit of a curveball before you go, if that's Please. okay. We've been, we've been talking about pay per view, um, your media rights, sales, history, um, different ways of um, reaching people, I guess. We're in Super Bowl week now, so the, the eyes of the world, or at least the eyes of America, are on um, Vegas and yep. um, the Super Bowl this weekend. 
there's this thing going around um, the sports media at the moment, which is this discussion about whether the Super Bowl will ever go streaming only, which I don't think is a particularly interesting question. But my, my question to you, Callie, is if you were the commissioner of the NFL and you were selling the Super Bowl, is there anything that you would do right now to, to make it bigger, better, richer? Would you go pay-per-view I mean, with the Super Bowl? Uh, no, absolutely not. It's it's something that, you know, okay, we've got our own little Super Bowl, don't we? The FA Cup final that could do potentially with a bit of a bit of a boost. Um but no, they they've nailed it. Yes, the Premier League is massively caught up with it, but you know, the NFL package is still still the one commercial it's doing for it and that well ultimately it's, you know they can be judged. Now you know, I don't. I don't believe that other sports outside. We've you know we've seen it tried and tested pay per view in other sports. I mean, when the Premier League tried it, it was very quickly dis- discarded and disbanded and disowned. Um, it works with combat sports um, because people historically pay to watch controlled violence. It's as simple as that. And I could. Maybe something else that people pay to watch, and you'll find it in hotel rooms back in the day on pay per view as well. Those two things are something that sex and violence are things that simply do sell on a spur of the moment. That's why I'm not so breaking it really down to basics here. But if you look at boxing and 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 UFC now, we've got to be absolutely establish itself as a very successful pay per view model. But it's not a coincidence that these are the only two sports that drive pay-per-view. It's also not a coincidence that very intelligent people have sat down and looked at the zone and said, right, what? where can we get involved in that's not regulated as such in terms of, oh, it's got to be in this country on that date. What, where can we play with a calendar where people will actually buy? They will actually move to buy the pro- their product via fight sports. And... You know that's where um, that's where boxing is. It's right here. I think to move things off off free to air, which does such phenomenal numbers. Um, I think you know what could you do better with with a Super Bowl? I, I mean, the obvious one is is, is genetic travel, but that's going to happen, is it? You know. Um, I, well, Kelly, I just I've got to say I admire you. I, the question was, would you do would you do pay per view with the Super Bowl? And you managed to talk about sex and violence, and <laughs> taking us on a tour around the world. When you think of business, and you look at a business model that clearly works, boxing sells pay per views. Yeah. End off. It's a statement, but what is it? What does it actually tell? It's people will pay to watch controlled violence. It's yeah. as simple as that. And sorry to bring it up again, but you know, you go on a pay TV channel in, in hotel rooms, and, and there's generally something else you can watch on there. Um, doesn't really exist that much anymore. But that those industries, or those those are those are primary, whatever basic purchasing powers that that that's that they has you know what you're, i can't sugarcoat it more than that it's a simple way it's monetizing human urge isn't it there Kelly, we that's... go there we go that's a, that's that's the that's the nicer way of putting it but yeah no absolutely we're gonna have to draw a line under there Callie Sowland, thank you very much for your time thank you gents